Hello and welcome to the Turtle Tracks Podcast. Brian Van Hooker is your host. I am Ian Williams. And today Brian continues with his last Ronin interview series with artist Ben Bishop. So without further ado, let's check it out. So yeah, to get started, can you explain how you ended up on The Last Ronin? Yeah, so... I know you probably already talked to Andy and stuff. Um, but originally there was another team, <laughs> and I wasn't a part of it at all. And it was kind of like a project that I was just excited to read one day. Okay. And Andy and I actually hung out um, in New Mexico when he had like just recently found out from Kevin that Kevin wanted him to be the guy on this book, and... And we were going around New Mexico to all the Breaking Bad spots, and uh, and he was giving me the tour, and it was amazing. And, and he was also picking my brain about working with Kevin because I had done the Target R Macro series with Kevin, and that was also from Kevin's layouts. So it's kind of a different process for a lot of artists. Um, San Luco had done it on some of his first tour stuff, where he worked from Kevin's roughs essentially, and it's a learning process for sure. And Andy was asking me questions about like, how do you do it? Like how much can you change? Is he going to be mad? Like, sure. That, the other thing. Yeah, yeah. And so he was super excited to do it. I was super excited for him. It wasn't even the blip on my radar. I kind of thought about it as like, well, I got to do the Raphael and now they're going to do this and that's great. And yeah. It wasn't even something I was jealous of. And then working on drawing blood volume two and aggregate book two and just like way too much work on my plate. And Kevin was explaining to me because of this, that, and the other thing and pandemic and everything else that the book was falling behind and Andy might need a hand. And so he was just talking about it. We were talking on the phone with David Avalone, who works on Drawing Blood with us. He's the writer. And uh, I made a joke that was like, well, let me know if you ever need any help. Ha, ha, ha. Because everybody on the call knew how busy and unrealistic that was, like how busy it was. And it turned out like maybe a week or so later, Kevin was just like, well, I actually do need a hand, and we think we want you to do the flashback stuff, because that would, at that point, take load off Andy. He could still do the Ronin stuff, sure, and we would do the back and forth. And I don't know if Kevin told you, but that, that whole changing of artists and different styles is something we took from Drawing Blood. And we do it in Drawing Blood. I'm the modern, normal stuff. He does the duo shade flashbacks on mm. the classic paper, just like in Last Ronin. And then Troy Little draws all the, the cat stuff, all the hallucinations and out-of-this-world internal subconscious Shane Bookman stuff. <laughs> and so we took that, and uh, it turned out that I would wind up doing flashbacks, and then, as you know, Andy had to go back even further, where he wasn't even involved anymore, and then Kevin found the brothers. Um, but there was a small window when I knew Andy might um, not be able to do any of it, and Courtney was really in my court uh, to do the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and so I did samples. You, were look, you saw some of them of Future Ronin stuff. Oh, wow. And my normal style for the flashbacks. So I was trying to do the Future Ronin stuff in more of like a brush and ink, chunky, because I knew, above all, Kevin really wanted to hark into the Dark Knight. Um, and I don't really have that style. And so... Your turtles are slimmer. Yeah. And yeah. my lines are thin. Yeah. I use a mechanical pencil for everything. I try to keep it like clean, thin. And it just lent itself so much better the way everything worked out because you really do feel like you're in a different time when you jump with the art. Yeah. And some of that starts with my art as far as the three artists on the book, me, Kevin, and or the four artists, me, Kevin, and the brothers, is probably the most IDW-ish, hmm. I feel like. And so when you go to those flashbacks, you're like kind of seeing the turtles as we're seeing them, like now. Yeah. And so it feels like now. Yeah. yeah. And so it feels like the past. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really liked that aspect of it. But... 
so the first page I did, this is a long answer, but the first page I did was that page 39 of issue one where you get the, the heart monitor mm-hmm. and then you're going to see the younger turtles. And the only note, honestly, like I've really ever got from Kevin artistically about like, hey, change this, change this, was he printed out my rough and drew on it just two lines on the side of Mikey's head to make him have a wider face, wider, 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 because that's how the original Turtles were. That's how the movies were. But IDW has like the gumdrop heads, like the the Corey Smith, the, the Santa Lupo. And I've always loved that. And so I was doing that. And he was like, less of that, less of that. And so gradually... My turtle heads have gotten wider. You can watch in the issues and in my, in my whole trajectory of drawing turtles. And it's because of that note, but it's also me trying to do something else with the flashbacks, which is uh, maybe it's just because I'm a fan, but I'm aging up the Henson suits. Like oh, I look at them and I'm like, these are the Henson turtles. Like, and they've been at war for 40 fucking years. And like, you can see it in their face. Yeah. They're cut up. They're war torn. Uh, they after Raph goes, they all adopt that grumpiness. Like they all adopt that aspect of him, where they're like, "This is business." Like we're at war. Fucking Casey's huge again. Like he's right. like from issue two to three. He just like goes back to the gym. He's like out of retirement. And so I loved like thinking about the story first, and then using that with my own style to make it have a reason for everything we're doing. Like sure. to not just change artists. Like in Drawing Blood, we're doing it. We're not just changing artists to change artists, but it's like a it's a commentary on that because drawing blood is the story about making stories and making comics comic about making comics. And so when we change artists, people are used to seeing artist changes in books and it's because of a timeline or sure. all this guy fell behind or even what happened on the beginning of Ronan. There was a time when they were going to keep everything Andy did. So was everything going to be Andy? Even uh, the flashbacks? In the very, very beginning. Yeah. All in it was okay. a very different book. Um, but then when they knew that they, that Andy wasn't involved anymore, there was a time when IDW didn't want to repay to have, the 18 or so 20 pages that he did mm. redone and Kevin and Tom weird. were like we need to because the yeah. style changes is such a huge part it's um, weird though I will say though like and this is uh, this isn't for yeah it's fine but like it, you can kind of like you can tell Andy a little bit in those early ones and it became a little yeah. like the, 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 the Escorza brothers kind of own it a little later yeah but in those early ones you because I, I, there's they, a couple panels where I was like that still looks like Andy to me they had his pages as a reference and I've thought about oh, that sure. before yeah. like yeah. Like you could give you could give ten different artists the same comic script, and I guarantee you they'd all look wildly different. Sure. But if the comic script already existed and they could use it as a reference, yeah. it's in their brain. Oh and yeah. It's going to affect their angles, their choices, and at that point, Kevin had already chose all the ang- angles and stuff. So I think that they were trying to just keep doing what Andy was doing. And you're right. I think that they definitely found their own voice. Like the stuff by issue, I mean, way before it. But I'm thinking specifically about like issue four where they're on the ground and it's like a real war with like guns and shrapnel yeah. and things blowing up. Those panels are very not Andy. Like, oh yeah. Very Scorsese. And, uh, and they're both great. And, and even I, I was drawing some Ronin stuff today. Like now I find myself drawing the hooded Ronin, even though I never got to do them in the book. Right. I do them for like covers or other things. Um, but I draw him the way Andy set up. Like Andy does crazy underbite. Yep. Like and so I, I'm always thinking of Andy's Ronin every time I draw Ronin, and that's 100. percent Oh, that's cool. Truth. That's cool. Like his ash can. The fact that that exists is so special. Like people are going to go nuts for that thing one day when they really. I wish I got a copy. Front. I didn't get a copy. I it's not too late. No. Got to get one before it is too late. Cause, okay. Because it's a whole preview of the book with Andy and the other colorist, uh, Brittany Pizzillo or something. Yeah, I have the download of it. Yeah. but I don't have the and physical thing. It's just super cool to see. I actually scored a couple of the original pages. Oh wow! I, <laughs> I was like, Andy, these are going to go for a lot. I need to get them before they go for <laughs> a lot. 
I was like, that being said, I just told you, and you probably already knew, you can get a lot, a lot. So if you tell me the FO, it's fine. I was like, but I'd love to get a couple of deals if I could. <laughs> and he hooked me up, and they're going to be on that wall. Oh, nice. That's awesome. yeah. um, so that was a super long answer, but the answer no, is in good. I'll, I'll get what I need. Is in I'll get what I need. For the, write, like, for the <laughs> podcast, I'll just let yeah, it run. Yeah. But for the writing, I'll just pick out what I need. That's sure, what sure. I do. Um, what was I going to ask you? So you originally just did the ending part of issue one. And at that point, did you know that issues two, three, four were going to be heavy flashback? I did. Because Kevin told me. Kevin, like coming to the project, obviously, from working with Kevin, I've, been, I've known and been working with Kevin for, I think, eight years now. Like, mm. time has fucking flown wow. by. I met him at Rhode Island Comic Con one year. And then I stayed out so late with him at P.F. Chang's drawing... Uh, with Steve Levine drawing uh, turtles on the receipts for waiters and waitresses and stuff that I ended up sleeping in my car and, and I was totally fine to do it. And the next day I was like, I hung out with Eastman and yeah, Levine course. all night. This is amazing. I slept in my car. Joe's like, stop telling people you slept in your car. I was like, oh, it's a great story. I remember at the Granite Con when yeah. you and me and Steve were hanging out. I was like, it was your exactly. on air with that. It's yeah. great. So I worked with him for a long time. So when he's telling me about the story, it's usually like on the phone and he's, he's getting me excited about it. Like he told me all the stuff, not all the stuff, because a lot's changed as it went on over two years, mm -hmm. but he told me a lot of stuff that would happen. And like, so coming at it from a fan, I was also like, it was ruined for me <laughs> <laughs> over and over and over sure. again. But every time a page came in from the brothers or a layout came in from him, or even just a script, I was like, Oh, I'm happier in this position, obviously uh, to know it ahead of time. But, sure. but yeah, so I didn't know. And, um, and you can keep this in or, change it or whatever or edit it but um some of the some of the history surrounding the book like i think about andy as like the beetle who like or like in that thing you do oh, oh, oh um the guy who, best. yeah they, or, yeah and in that thing yeah. you do he like breaks his arm right before and then he can't be the drummer anymore and right. they had to replace him like i think of andy like that because obviously like what an amazing book and it really sucks he couldn't yeah have been a bigger part of it but i do also think the Ash King's going to live on forever. Yep. His name attached to it is mm -hmm. going to be like this like mystique surrounding the story, you yep. know, of everything went wrong. Every issue was late. Like, there's so much about this book that it's like cursed and things just were weird. Let me ask you, do you not want me to include that in the recording? So far, it's fine. Okay. Because uh, I, can, I can tell my editor, yeah. like, hey, cut If you this think part. it sounds nice. I'm, I'm fine with honest. it. It sounds cool. I think it's cool. I, 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 like, yeah. like, honestly, one of the first people I reached out to was Andy. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I love his artwork for years. And the pandemic was real as fuck. You leave that in. Like, well, no, that's, that's all It did everything and like, to anybody. Like he was one of the people who was like, I asked lives. everybody who I've spoken to was like, Hey, can I do this as recording? And he was like, I'd just rather not. And we spoke for like 10 minutes, but he was like, look, I just, it, it like, like I had real yeah. shit go on for this whole thing. Yeah. And I feel awful about it. And I wish it didn't work out that way, but it did. And it's fucking, it yeah. like a million people are dead because of this thing. So it's yeah. not like no big yeah. deal. And no, it's not no big deal. And I totally get it. Like, yeah. I fell behind on everything I'm doing, but the things I were doing... I got laid off. Exactly. <laughs> it sucks. The things I were doing, I was my own boss, or Kickstarter backers were my boss. Sure. So it was like, what are they going to do? Like, I was able to apologize and say, this is the reality, but most of them are going through the same thing, so they get it. But like, with one of the only books at IDW that didn't have pencils down, mm. they were like, we got a deadline, we got a deadline, we got a deadline. It's like a moving train, you know what I mean? Sure. And so, I get it. Uh it sucks, and I've talked to Andy after too, um, and I know that he wished he could have been more a part of it, and uh, things he said to me and whatever, and, and I wish he could have. And I, like I said, I was stoked to see that story when yeah. I thought it was what it was, and and it's a completely different thing now because of all the different artists and because of like the idea of switching styles, and and those ideas all came 
because they had to. Yeah. But it would have been an amazing book as it was originally planned as well, just a very different book. Absolutely. So to answer your question about did I know there was more to come for me as far as my pages in the book, yeah, Kevin told me I'd be drawing half the story. Okay. He said, and it was a, it's a vague estimation because the page count is not half the story. The brothers definitely drew more. Okay. But like issue two, I think I had like almost 20 pages, maybe 15 or something. Was it half or a little more than half in two? Issue two was about half. Yeah. And then I thought they were all going to continue like that at first. And then just as the scripts got written, things changed. Kevin wasn't originally going to do as many of the flashback things yeah. as he ended mm-hmm. up doing. And so... So things changed, but I knew, I was like, wait, I get, I'm the one who's going to like pull the trigger on all these characters. Yeah, you get to kill everybody. And <laughs> I knew I would have a larger role because <laughs> Kevin was telling me everything all along the way. And sure. he, he literally phrased it as, you're going to be drawing half this series. By the end of it, of course, it didn't work out that I drew half the series, but sure got some good scenes. <laughs> and you got to kill everybody. Yeah. Everyone knows me now, like they, they say, oh, Ben killed Raph, Ben killed Raph, which is like a quick way of saying he killed everybody. He killed everybody. Except, everybody. except Mikey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if Kevin shared this, and I don't know if this can be in here. Okay. But he said, it might be, it's fine, probably, but he was like, by the end of this, we'll have killed all the characters Pete and I created in Mirage, like in the first stuff. It's like Baxter, Karai, the Turtles, Shredder's Dead, like so. Except April. Except April, that's right. Yeah. Um, you're right. She's truly the last one, I guess. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about that around issue four when we were talking about mostly mm. Baxter because the Baxter arc is really fun Baxter's for fun. people who know Mirage, which I don't as well, but he was explaining it to me. He's like, yeah, he, his original plan was to just blow them all up. <laughs> he saw it through. <laughs> it was interesting. I talked to Tom because I, I had more time. With, I talked to Tom for like, I was like, oh, it'll be a half hour. Mm-hmm. We talked for like 90 minutes. Uh, and Kevin, I had a half hour and like, I was like, uh, I was really want to be respectful this time. So, um, yeah. I think it only went to like 40 minutes and I felt bad about that. Um, but, uh, so I talked to Tom a lot about how this was originally, he was telling me this was originally Mirage mm-hmm. universe. And then they quickly, well not quickly, but over time kind of got away from it to look kind of a catch all verse. Mm-hmm. Cause it kind of fits almost any of them. Those are always the best turtle stories. That's why I love the 2012 Sierra Neely show on Nickelodeon. The best. Yeah. Because it just pulls from the best. Yeah. Oh, there's so much turtles out there. Let's pull from the best. Like, and this could be the ending to almost any, like, yeah. it could be the ending, like you like said, you made the Henson, the Henson stuff, yeah. which I did intentionally, and I am campaigning vigilantly on Twitter for them to do a live-action movie mm-hmm. with Henson suits, Judith Hogue, Ernie Reyes, Elias Cotez, like, sure. while they still fucking can, like, yeah. it would be amazing. Yeah. God, Casey Jones all aged up, Judith Hogue playing, like, Cyborg April. That would be cool. She's still throwing fireballs. She's yeah. freaking beautiful. But Could Robbie Riss be this Mikey, though? Would he be this? Sure. He's, he is. Yeah, Robbie Riss is pretty great. Yeah. yeah. The voice is perfect. He just did Mondo Gecko in the 2020. He was great in that. Yeah. Yes. So I was, exactly. That's my favorite episode of the show. I got so yeah. excited hearing his voice. It was great. Oh, that'll have to happen. I just hope it does. Like, every other tweet is somebody saying they need to animate it or they need to make a movie. Sure. I'm hoping they're listening. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if that is a question. No, that's great. Uh, what I was going to ask you. Um Can you talk about issue... You want to start with two? Or? Let's go on to two. Yeah. Um, and Raph's death. Can you talk about getting those pages, what it was like, like your reaction to it at first, seeing the layouts, all that stuff? Yeah, I was... So I was getting them, like, as they were happening. Um, because, I mean, that, that sounds normal of how comics should work, but we were doing the issues after the last one came out. Like, right. They would come out, 
I would personally take like a couple days to do nothing and like veg out. Kevin probably never stopped. And he would just page by page by page. And Tom probably never stopped. And so the pages I was getting first were when Raph first busts into the apartment. And I was like, oh my God, I get to draw Raph. And I was like, oh my God, I get to draw Casey in April. And I was like, oh my God, Donnie and Mikey and Splinter just rolled in. Oh my God, Leo's here now too? And so I was being excited because I was like, this page has every turtle, Splinter, Casey, and April on it. Like, how am I so lucky to draw this? And then that was around the time I was drawing that Splinter panel that I pointed out to you in my originals earlier where he's on the table. And it's like this, to me, it feels like an old Renaissance like painting or something like the the angle of the table is so strange and like they're over him and April's at the head of the table and she has like this halo shape around her mm. and I made it like I didn't mean to but it ended up being like a religious experience for me <laughs> and everything unlocked at that point and I, I end up getting into this whenever people ask me about the book but like I was drawing turtles forever and then that day or around that time and that week I was like this is it like this is what the 11 year old me had always wanted to draw it was like every turtle a giant book like everyone's gonna see it like and not only that I get to like kill them <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I just like had to take a step back and it was at the end of like not the end but it was during a pandemic where there's ups and downs and and you're just like I'm so fucking lucky like yeah. and I was so excited to be doing it and like I'm a fan on the inside, like a thousand percent. Yeah. And I just have to hold my shit together all the time. Like and not ask Kevin to sign everything. <laughs> you know? yeah, sure. And, uh, so I, I was on those pages losing my mind. Just like, how am I going to draw this? And then because I was so appreciative and like in the moment and just like, that's how this panel needs to look. That's a hard ass angle to draw four characters within like three inches. Mm. I was like, but that's exactly how it has to look. And there's no reason I shouldn't be capable of drawing that and like convince myself, like, you already know how to do this fucking rocket. Yep. And then like, and this is all like 2D my own part, but I like, like zoned out for the rest of the goddamn series. Every time I drew a page and I was like, I can't believe I get to draw this. And like every issue, it got crazier. And like the issue three was, well, we'll get an issue three, sure. <laughs> but yeah, issue two, then Kevin's like, oh, he goes down to the docks and, and he's going to like fight and kill hundreds of soldiers and i'm like thinking okay i have to draw new york city i have to draw docks draw crowds i have to draw like dudes the foot soldiers at in that issue were actually quite challenging because they're in like skin tight outfits so you need to know your anatomy it's like drawing spider-man sure whereas like when you're drawing guys with all this gear and whatever you're drawing the gear like i had to draw back muscles shoulder blades like and they're poking out in certain poses only like the way fabric moves and like and I just get my, when you're drawing a page for like six hours or so, you're just thinking about all that stuff and second guessing it and blah, blah, blah. But because I had like come to that splinter panel and like was able to have an out of body Dr. Strange kind of experience, I just like fucking went for it. And I was like, what do I want it to look like? And I would not settle for less. And, and I was really inspired by, uh, Ryan Otley's uber violence and like invincible. Okay. You know, and so I was like, I'm going to make this blood crazy. And if Kevin wanted it, like, to be a dark-ass story. And so I really, really pushed it. Like, sure. You can look at the layouts, and I went farther, like, with the violence. Did they scale back at all? They tried to, but it was done. The work was done, <laughs> and the book was late. And so, so just <laughs> and I took that out of Kevin's 
repertoire. He had told me once when we, I think we were working on Raphael, and he was like, "It's too late. They won't change anything." Like, it was like, that's amazing. And so I just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it, and the only thing they were able to change <coughs> was we ended up darkening the blood uh, from red to like more of a dark red or a black. Okay. I kind of wish we didn't have to. Even Louise was like, yeah, it was the only thing that kind of wish we didn't have to do it. Sure. But I think it works fine. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, nobody else cares. And I think there was one side poking out of a dude's back. So, like, I have Raph, like, sticking a guy in the chest but holding up his whole body yeah. in his hand with the side. Yeah. And I have the side poking out the back of his back. And that was the only thing that Nickelodeon was like, that's pretty vile. <laughs> so we just erased the poke out. Sure. So it doesn't make any sense. Didn't go all the way through. But as long the as the guy's fatter than we thought. Yeah, they couldn't see the exit wound anymore. And so then this will wrap up this section pretty nicely. When it came time to truly kill Raph, yeah, there was not a lot of specifics because mm-hmm. we knew we couldn't just kill him like openly in the middle of a panel and be like totally gruesome and sure. offensive about it. And we wanted it to have a lot of reverence and and be like artsy and not just some Eli. Roth, Eli Roth movie. He does those crazy violent movies. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I knew I had put that pizza-shaped weapon on his leg because that pizza-shaped weapon, the big shuriken. Oh, the thing he has in his back in the original came toy. With all the toys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, no one knew what it was, including myself. And we're like, <laughs> why do I have this? Because all the turtles got one on the screw, I think. But Raph specifically had one tucked into his back, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. It wasn't even his weapon. And as no. a kid, you're like. But that's not his weapon. Yeah. And it's all you think about. And so I was like, I'm going to give it to him. And I literally had drawn all the pages leading up to that, not knowing that would be the murder weapon. Oh, that's awesome. And in the layouts, Kevin had Karai kind of shielding whatever happened because of the violence, you know, embargo. We wanted to make sure yeah. or he knew that it would be an issue if, if it was super violent. But because of the scuffle under the water, that was in such a perfect place on his leg that I just sketched it so she grabs his own weapon and sticks him with it. And so going back to the exit wound thing, you don't get to see it going in. You don't even see any of it not in yet because mm-hmm. that would be really violent to see like halfway in his, in his chin. But if you look real closely, and the only person I told about it was Louise, who was just doing the colors, you can see it in his mouth. <laughs> There's a little uh, oh, shred of light awesome. <laughs> going up his mouth when his eyes are like faded back. And I was like, Luis, they're probably going to make us take this out if they notice, but make sure you color that the same color as the blade. Ah, and it's in there. That's awesome. And so set the precedent with the violence as much as we could with Raph. Sure. So that going forward, it was a non-issue. It was like, no question, well, we have to do, keep doing it, you know? And the Leo stuff. The, uh, we'll the, the side yeah. floating away. Like, yeah. that's just a beautiful way to end it. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm guessing that's Kevin's layout. Too. Yeah, it's so Kevin nice had move. originally sketched out, and you see it on... Um, all the other covers except for the the R.I. for issue 2 where you have Raph running drawn by the Escorzas. Originally it was supposed to be the weapon cover for every issue. So that fallen side, mm. Andy drew that first. So there's a drawing that Andy drew of that fallen side that the Escorzas drew of that fallen side for their second cover of the reprint. And then the one that I drew and there's one that Kevin drew. We've all drawn that image. Oh, no, sure. um, cool. And so originally it was supposed to be the weapons cover was the RI, which is the one in 10 variant that every shop gets. If they order 10 variants, they get one free. Hmm. It was supposed to be a weapons cover for every issue. You see it uh, issue four with the, the Splinter's book and Donnie's staff in the snow. And you see it issue two with the, the Superman, Death of Superman uh, nod of Casey's mask and the sword. And I guess what had happened was IDW thought it was too much of a spoiler 
and said, no, nah, we'll have just running wrath. It was like, well, it was running wrath, and the issues call for fall. I think it's just as much of a spoiler. <laughs> I thought that the sky was a little bit more yeah, ambiguous. Sure. But, so that's the story there. But I do love that image. So I actually bought that page from the brothers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like, I need it so I can put it next to mine. That's so cool. Because that was the first one I killed. So that's why I'll probably forever be known as Ben Killed Wrath. I always tell people, though, I'm just a trigger man. Right. I was under orders from the creators. <laughs> uh, all right, on to issue two. Uh, I would love to talk about uh, uh, killing off Leo. Like, I'm guessing there was a deliberate attempt to make them all different, of course. But, like, I, I don't know if you want to say anything about it. Um, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. I, and I love that about it. Me too. Just after the fact. I don't know. I assume they thought about it to death. But, like, I do that in the aggregate. Um, I have, like, these five individuals who get together to create this giant robot, like, Power Rangers kind of mm-hmm. thing. But they're all from different environments. You've got, like, the water level, the jungle level, the desert, you know. Sure. And I love that stylistic change. And, and the fact that that exists in this book, I think it's great. And it must have been intentional. I don't know much about the thought that went into that. But I did see something on a review recently that I was like, whoa, I'm going to go with that from now on. Where they, they noted it to all the different elements. Because Raph dies in the water. Leo dies with fire. Donnie dies with arrows because of the wind. Sure. Air. And then, spoiler, Mikey dies in the mud. It's Earth. So oh, if, that's awesome. If they fucking did that on purpose, then bravo. That's a question for Tom. I don't even know if they did. That's so and cool. Uh, is that all the elements we're missing? I don't know. <laughs> it's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. What's the Captain Planet shit? That's all. Yeah, Help me read <laughs> That's all. Okay, yeah. That's awesome. So, that's awesome. So, no, it's yeah. more. Give the Mystics in this 2003 show. Exactly. Yeah. So the... Yeah, so I didn't. I didn't have much to do with that, but stylistically, I'm sure Louise loved that. I loved drawing it. For me, I was segregating the issues. At least uh, issue two was like for me stylistically and what I was drawing. It was a continuation of the movie. I had the second time around shot. I had the city. Sure. Casey was retired. He had short hair. They were getting married. They sure. just, they still loved above the shot. Um, and so I was kind of piggybacking on that. Like, this is our real world turtles, and here's where everything went wrong. This is If this was a split decision book, that's the branch. What if sure. Raph never stormed off? Sure, sure. You know, yeah. It never would have happened. Well, what I like about what Tom said was that, like, one thing that was like, like a commentary in the book was like, like, Raph's death, especially, is not meaningful. And, like, it's meaningful. It kicks everything the, off. But it kicks everything off. And that's it. Not that it's not meaningful. It's, 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 uh, it's meaningful, but it's, it's also a waste. Yeah. Raph's being stupid. He did what and he always does. And like, it's only born out of his rage. Like, there's not, a, it's not a heroic death, which I like. I think that's interesting as opposed to, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? He I, wasn't that's, that's, doing it for anyone other than his, uh, like, he was doing it for his family, but he wasn't saving them. He was making no. things worse. Yeah. And that's what happens in every fucking movie. <laughs> Take out my F bombs if you want. Sorry. No, I don't care. That's what happens in every There's movie. F bombs every Raph runs off yeah. and screws it up, and now we have a plot. And, yeah. And the fact that it happened in Ronin, I was like, this is the next movie. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, I love that about it. And so then stylistically, I went from this is our real world turtles. This is what we're used to a little bit more in the future. I think it was meant to be like ten years from what we've seen. Sure. Any, at any given time. And then issue two or issue three with Leo and them was meant to be ten years after that. So Raph has been dead. Oh. For 10 years. I didn't realize that. I believe cool. so. It seems like nicely vague, but yeah, I didn't realize I believe it's 10. Um, I said it on a podcast a long time ago when they told me. And I, whatever I said then is the truth. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was 10. And the idea there, as far as drawing them, is like I told you, I was like, they've been back at war for 10 years. Sure. Like, they got all their equipment. Casey's hitting the gym again. He pulled out the golf bag. like, And, and I wanted to show that in their faces. And I showed it with Baxter, too. Like, what's a guy who's just, like, consumed by his hate and, like, whatever revenge or this... 
destiny to kill the turtles and get Fugitoid. What's he going to look like? And he's also like a computer hacker and this, that, and the other. And so I like show it in his face, like with his wrinkles and his teeth falling out. He's just like this, this like hell. hack. Yeah. Yeah. And then the brothers took it further oh, yeah. in four to say, oh, what's he look like 30 years after, or 17, seven years after that? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so um, that's how I approach the characters. But stylistically for like the whole vibe and the environment, I was only thinking about uh, Otomo and Akira. I was, mm. like, I was sure. like, this is my chance at like Future City tubes, wires, rubble, tech, all this stuff. And so that's that was my approach there was Otomo. And then on issue four, which we'll get into, but we're talking about tone, um, I was looking at Miyazaki. I was okay. like, this is like Princess Mononoke or, or something like that. We're in Japan. We've got like all this um, architecture and costumes and <clears throat> armor and horses. And I pushed for the horses. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how I approached those. And then Five, I basically just had to go back to what I did in one, sure. which was IDW universe kind of stuff. How did uh, Leo and Casey's death, I don't know, how did you feel about there? So out of all the turtle characters, including Mutagen Man, Muck Man, everyone you can think of, Casey and Leo are my top two. Oh, no, shit. Okay, just, oh, that's right. just so happens sure. that you're going to kill both of them in the next issue, Ben. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait. <laughs> and... Uh, I just loved it. I got to do a, a great deal of design on the whole series, but especially issue three, because we're in the midst of it. Things are moving really fast. Kevin has a great deal. He's got a design sure. in, in general, tons of stuff for the brothers. Um, and he likes my designs. And, uh, and so he was like, here's where I'm at with Leo. Take a crack at it. Here's where I'm at with this guy. Take a crack at it. And, and so I got to do so much stuff that just like feels so personal to me in, sure. in so many of the issues, but especially issue three, a little bit in issue four, but issue three was, if I was talking about like that splinter panel in issue two as being like my, my rebirth or my, uh, my, my mental awakening to my powers. Uh, I feel like my powers were at their height in issue three. Like, mm. and I was just trying everything, pumping in all the detail I could. I love that issue and, and pushing the violence we weren't going to see them literally explode to bits, but we see Leo doing stuff we've never seen. Like, That's true. He's done messing around. And I said to you, maybe off off the record, uh, I wanted to give every character, they now carry around a piece of wrath. Uh, like, literally. Wait, we, is that off the record? No, you can say it. Okay, cool. I just don't know if I'd already told you that. So, yeah, I wanted to give... Oh, oh when we were talking earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I sorry, wanted to sorry, give sorry. every character the feeling that wrath is gone and now he's in all of us. Because when you're, talk, when you're on the Ronin stuff in the future with the brothers they're all gone and they're all with him. Mm. He's angry because of Raph. He's tactical because of Leo. He's smart because Donnie or whatever, like he's using his brains and, and there are everything they're saying to him is, is him talking to himself. Is him doubting himself. Like it gets really bad in issue five where they're screaming at him in the beginning of that issue. Sure. And it's because it's his self doubt. It's all oh, you, you could have done this a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. You're going to fail. And I love that about it. So in issue uh, two, when I'm drawing the flashback stuff and Raph is gone, I gave that to them in their faces if I could. I gave it to them in the way they fight. Leo's cutting off people's arms. He's jumping yeah. down staircases and putting both swords into a dude. And usually he would be a little bit more restrained. But it's like, this is real. You're killing our family. Yeah. Like, we're killing you. Like, And they're ready to do it. Casey's having a good time doing it. You had decided uh, it, the, that the voices are all in Mikey's head. They're not real ghosts in that. Was that your own personal decision? Because I know Tom said he, that they wanted to keep it vague. Yeah, if it's ambiguous, it's for me, I, I think it was... I read an article that Tom was interviewed in just after two, I think, issue two. And it, if that, I think that's the issue where April and Mikey talk about survivor's guilt. 
Mm. And being, yeah, it's, April has the flashback of her in physical therapy and finding out she's pregnant. And that was so perfect and of the time. I don't know if Tom talked about that, but I felt like he was talking to everybody reading the book about the pandemic. Sure. We're left behind. Why? Yeah. We also have just the sadness. Why? Like yeah. all this stuff. And so I was also in my head a lot. Like I've been talking about, about like finding my own like mental clarity and like, why, what, why am I working this hard? And like, I should learn to love what I like, like relearn to love what I'm doing and not be like, Oh, I got to work today. Like, yeah, this is all I've ever wanted to do. This should be the best time of my life. For sure. But my back still hurts and this, that, and still, still a job. And so I'm in my head all the time. And, and I'm thinking about how meaningful it is that they're gone, but they're with him and he knows them so well that he's thinking about what they would say. Like, Oh, I've, I'm going to go do this thing. And he goes, what would Raph say to that? Like, how would he tell me that's a stupid idea? Or what would Leo say that I could do better? And the, I feel like he's having all those conversations with himself. And that's why when he tells them to go away, they go away. That's also why he's happy to see them at the end is because he's no longer, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the, what the end officially means, but I know what it means to me. And, uh, and those are, those are not the same turtles that were yelling at him throughout the series. Interesting. I think that's all the pieces of the turtles he's taken with him throughout the series mm. that are motivating him to finish his mission in one way or the other. And sometimes it's tough love and being angry with him and telling him what he already knows. Like, you messed up. You had this whole plan. You almost died in the issue one. You know, where it all goes to hell. Yeah. And I think that that is a really cool way to read the book because... It's his battle with himself. And it also, as Tom probably mentioned, it still gives us, the reader, the, the banter and the dialogue between the four brothers, which makes it a Turtle comic. Like, without it... Oh, yeah, that's right. It, Actually, you didn't mention that. This without comic. it, you don't have that. Yeah. And Turtles is that. It's the four. Like, it's the brotherhood and it's family. And he could talk about that all day long, but having their voices in his head and then trying to execute a mission that would bring him back to them so cool. And that's what, I mean, like, uh, that's what I think, like, different, now that you bring that up, but I feel like that kind of differentiates it from, uh, like, the Dark Knight, right? Yeah, there's a lot of spirituality to it. And but, like, is Batman's a very internal character. Yeah. And and the turtles aren't. Yeah. At least not in this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, that's, and so even when he's talking to himself, I feel like he's talking to them. I don't, I don't think they're ghosts. Know that. I don't think it's some other realm. Some people have guessed that. Um, but I think all on the table is a good way to read it, sure. I think it's his, it's his own mental inner thoughts and it's his own doubts and it's his own this and that. And that's also what he's getting over. That's the arc of the whole story. It's like, not only does he have to kill Hiroto and like save the world, save the city and save April and Casey, and, but he's got to get past his own demons and his own hangups and find closure to every aspect of his own life before he can find peace at the end there on the rooftop with them. Uh, let's talk about killing uh, Donnie and Splinter. Donnie. Yeah, so by issue four, Kevin's like, now we're at Tony Splinter. And I'm like, oh, man. And I was really reading the script and seeing the layouts. I was, like, so caught off guard with what an asshole Splinter was being. Or, like, mm. in my mind, I was like, why is he, like, doing this? Everyone's telling him, yo, back up, retreat. We're not going to win this. You literally, like, you brought Donnie here to die? Like, mm. I don't get it. And then the more and more I sat with it and the more and more I started drawing those pages, I did get it. And I was like, this is, if this is a continuation of Mirage or even in that vein, Splinter's only goal the whole time was to create a family to fight this war for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is that Splinter. And also he's just been told, 
I killed everyone. You're all that's left. And he's gone rage red. Like he's just going in. And I think Donnie knew it anyway. And I think Splinter knew it on the way there. And they all looked at, if you look in issue two, when I have them like flying off in the jet, Donnie gives a last look. They give a last look. Yeah, it's a real sure. like, yeah. Donnie knew cause he knows his dad. Yeah. We didn't know because yeah. we haven't read that splinter in a long time. I don't think not. Well, to be honest with you, to be fair though, like man, I, he's kind of like that. Yeah. And IDW man, splinter is just so like interesting. And like, I, 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 I yeah, like, I think it was more quite like, I didn't know the character as well as sure. I should have like, cause he is like that. And he, he's he awful. Like he's awful in that show. And he's yeah. like, he's like in the, in, the, in the most interesting best way. Like I think yeah. this is a sidebar. But, like, so it makes him interesting. I mean, like, and he is a character, right? His whole thing was vengeance. And then in, in IDW, like, he, he witnesses shit that no other Splinter has. So he's obviously going to be harder. And we can bounce around off of what you just said. His entire mission is vengeance. And throughout Ronin, that seems to be Mikey's mission. And, like, that's not a positive mission. Like, no. That's not something you want to read for five issues and go, well, he did it. Like, there's no... So it's so brilliant. And this is not my brilliance. I'm not <laughs> tooting my own heart. I'm flabbergasted by what they've written. Yeah. That... The end, they made it the point that he changes the journal to, no, Splinter said, no peace, and up. Like, we can never have peace. We're going to kill everyone. Yeah. Like, and Mikey says, no, put a KW there. And it's that simple to say, like, don't do this. Yeah. You should know peace and, like, find peace in your life. Like, to not have the suicide mission for 40 years. Like, and I think that's so freaking cool. Because that's why, like, people who don't like the Splinter issue or don't like issue four, maybe, or maybe oh, reacted... Don't, I don't know. Well, no, I don't know. I'm just saying. Or maybe reacted the way I reacted, like, oh, Splinter's being a dick. He's getting Donnie killed. And sure. That's, like, your surface reaction and your surface read of that situation. But really, like, that's happening so we can see Mikey not repeat the same mistakes of the past yeah. and grow. And that's what makes a good story. That's interesting, too. Like, and this is, again, paralleling, like, or what happened in, uh, in IDW, where, like, I think some of the most interesting storytelling and Turtles ever was what they did with Mikey towards the end of Splinter's run in IDW where Mikey split from the group yeah, and he wanted like, to be part of it. Right, and yeah. it was like the most interesting Mikey stories ever maybe. He's like, this isn't us. Yeah, so like having that kind of same, a similar dynamic where Splinter's kind of like like very like doggedly thinking one way and Mikey's like, nah, let's, let's yeah, think differently. That. Yeah, And you know, coming from Tom, you know, so I'm yeah. sure it's in the back of his head in, yeah. both, in both stories. Absolutely. He knows those characters. And I'm sure he knows as much as Pete and Kevin knew where he wants them to end up. Sure. You know, so Pete and Kevin had their ideas and Tom added a lot. He got to say like, well, what about this? And then, but the best part about the whole thing is, and this is off top. If it's a podcast, we're going to be jumping all around, but, uh, <laughs> but the best part is that, and Tom probably said it in his thing when he realized that Kevin was director and it was kind of like a different kind of story than how they've worked together before. Yes, he did. Talk he about that? Yeah, he talked about like, because they kind of like, you know, usually I'd been in the driver's seat and Kevin yeah. was in the pasture. And, they kind and of it was it. such a cool switch because you yeah. get a totally different turtle book. That was like, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And Kevin does know what he's doing. And I made a Facebook post that was four scrolls long after issue two came out and I got to see how it was received and what people were saying. And I was out of my mind just impressed because they came up with this idea, Pete and Kevin, in 87, a year after I was born, three years after the turtles were born, yeah. and they already knew how they wanted to end it. And what's cool is that's a confidence in their own property because sure. they go, no, this is special. Here's how it will end. And they never did that story. And the reason they didn't do that story is because it would have sucked if they did it then yeah. or three years down the line. It was nothing. Yeah. The reason it matters now is because we're all in our mid-30s or whatever, sure. and we're literally... 
we've had 36 years of this character, so when they die, it matters. And yeah. what they say matters, and the arcs matter, and how it ends matters, because we have all that baggage. And yeah. like, the story wouldn't have been as impactful without letting those characters literally live in our world, on Earth, in underwear, and macaroni and cheese, and right. movies, and video <laughs> games. So now when we go back to where it started, a comic book with Kevin and Pete on the cover, it freaking hurts. <laughs> it's yeah, so cool. Absolutely. So cool. Uh, <coughs> Donnie and Splinter's death itself, the actual, yeah, the actual killing of them. Did you want to talk about yeah. uh, um, that page? Yeah, so it was special because even though Splinter's rushing in and, and being insane, first of all, I got to show him Totally kicking ass. Like oh, yeah. I, that was one of Kevin's... That decapitation panels, right? Yeah, one of Kevin's yeah. biggest selling points was he's like, you remember when Yoda finally like went nuts on Count Dooku? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, it's going to be like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Splinter's going to go nuts with a little sword. And I was sure. like, I love it, I love it. So he made sure to write a lot of that and lay out a lot of that. So I was excited about that. I was excited about the new designs. I got to design them as well as a lot of the bad guys. And Hiroto's samurai armor, like Kevin had some armor ideas and, and I just I did some research on samurais. He he basically said like you gotta check out this movie Ran. Okay. I don't know if you know Ran. I don't. It's a Kurosawa movie. Samurai movie. And I bought it and I watched it. But before I even watched it I just started watching the special features and like ten minutes into one special feature about samurais, they were explaining why samurais dress the way they do and it's like for intimidation and like a lot of the armor just makes you look bigger and I was like, that's fucking shredder. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I have to convince Kevin to let me do like a big uh, Samurai Hiroto and then I was like in watching Ran this movie it's all horses okay. and I was like horses sounds like a nightmare I was like but Dark Knight had horses and people remember it to this day Batman on the horse and I was sure. like pushing for horses pushing for horses and so I told Kevin I was like I was like, he's his guards, like his two main guys, also have to be on horses. He's like, if you're sure, if you're sure, and I was like, I'll figure out they how to draw. Suck to draw, yeah, they're so hard. And I was, like, well, if you don't draw horses, like sure. a lot of people don't draw them often. I knew girls in middle school with hair down to their ankles who all they drew was horses, sure. <laughs> and they love drawing horses. I was never like that, <laughs> but I knew. <laughs> Pause for a second. Yeah, <clears throat> man. Ah, sorry, but I knew. I was like, people will remember it, and it'll be totally worth it, even if it's just a few panels. So we did horses, and then I armored up the horse. I was like, it's got to be a shredder horse. And, and a main goal there, and I know you talked to these guys too, was to have it become a toy. Sure. And I'm still hopeful <laughs> for a Hiroto on horse samurai toy. Like, goddamn. But, so, like, all of that was super fun. And then I get Kevin's design suggestions for Donnie, like his preliminary sketches. And, and he's got this crazy-ass Raiden hat. <laughs> and I'm like, you sure you want to do this hat? Because in issue two... He had drawn him with this weird, like, fisherman ear cap hat. And everyone was like, what's with his hat? What's with his hat? And he's also the only one not wearing a bandana in issue two and three, yep. which people thought there was a lot, too. Um, so by issue four, I'm like, he's putting the bandana on. He's getting all geared up. And I, I, I like, just dove into the hat concept because I wasn't going to fight it. Kevin knows what he's doing. Sure. And now I would never, ever, ever do it a different way. It's my favorite remark is Donnie in that freaking hat. It's my favorite Donnie to draw ever. I just thought it was going to look silly, and instead it makes him look like a total badass. Yeah, that's great. And and he was very, Kevin was very adamant that Donnie being traditional kind of, uh, like a gi, you know, like a, mm. I don't know if they're called that in this particular story, but like a kind of martial arts outfit, you know? Sure. And he's even got one in issue two. It's kind of just an uh, evolution of what he was wearing then, but, so the designing was super fun. Kevin had the idea to just go ahead and throw in the Usagi Yojimbo symbol. Like, Stan will think it's cool. 
And, Wait, uh, when, where was that? It's on all. It's on their albums. It's the new Clan Hamato Usagi Yojimbo. They have like an alliance in my mind, and they oh wow are together now. That's my background theory. Kevin just wanted to nod to stand. Yeah, and I sure. On Splinter, I played on Donnie, and that's gonna go toys if we ever get them. Sure, and that's uh, cool. and so I hope stand like that. And it wasn't uh, like, total sidebar. I, I love the uh, <laughs> the symbol Sirenelli uh, gave the turtles in that show. That the kind of upside down looking turtle. I don't know if you know oh what I'm talking God. about. Yeah. I'll just, yeah, yeah, it's just a cool like. Yeah, kind of cool, super simple. cool. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the design and all that, obviously, it was a, a killer issue to draw. Uh, we got to do a lot of cool foot or uh, foot soldier stuff because Kevin wanted the bucket heads to to kind of harken or the basket heads to kind of harken to the Frank Miller Electra mm-hmm. story. Um, those are just like dudes with baskets on their head popping out of the snow, and so we just did it. Um, the art on that one for me was next level to anything I'd ever done. You can zoom in on those graveyard panels and like just keep zooming and there's details there. Yeah. I was very apologetic to Louise. Actually having them die though was, okay, how are we going to do this? Because that issue is a little different. Like Raph, you obviously see the full thing. Mm-hmm. Issue two, you know it's happened and then you see the aftermath. Yep. Issue three, they don't really even get their own full page of arrows and, and things like that. And so it was kind of like a quick, in the moment, this is what happened. Um, and so for me, it was kind of startling, like, oh, they're, they're gone now, turn the page. Um, but I think it reads really well where you've got the their one uh, uh, the guy they were working with. Originally in the script, he was called something else. Uh, he was called Watanabe, but I think he's called, I don't remember. People just ins- call him... Uh, I can insert it for the kind of People call him Uncle Eero from airbender because they think he looks like uncle Iro, iro yeah and i was like i've never seen that show but you're absolutely correct <laughs> so we'll call him Iro. um but having him just kind of look around the as the dust is settling after the fight and stumble on them was super sad i think like yeah. and i thought that that was a, a cooler way to do it instead of doing the same thing in every single issue you know yeah they find a nice way to do different stuff yeah and the elements thing i'm going to definitely put that in there because that's super interesting yeah i remember where i got that but and how did you feel about mikey's head i know you didn't draw yeah. it but so, so Mikey, I knew I wasn't going to get to have the honor. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but I knew I was... Let the Escorts brothers kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what's that. When they got to kill Baxter, I was jealous too. But I was like, <laughs> I've literally killed so many good characters. Yeah. And uh, they got Karai. Um, and they got Fugitoid, technically. So sure. I got him once, but they got him again. Um, <laughs> so I could not complain. I was I was happy about it, and at least now in the future, people are like you killed the turtles, and like, but not, not Mikey. Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Good, like, a little bit of same asterisk there. Yeah, <laughs> almost all the turtles. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. I knew they would be fighting in the mud. Kevin um, really wanted that Dark Knight moment. This isn't a mud pit; it's an operating table. You know. Yeah. And uh, and I think they nailed it. I would have loved the issue to be twice as long. Like just every panel of them just fighting was so cool. Yeah. Um, and then of course I get to do my couple of pages right after that, which if you're talking about dream pages, like I was talking about issue two game draw all characters on one page, like this is absolute. If you flip through issue five and you're looking at the pages I'm talking about, I have all the turtles together, jumping on rooftops, making fun of each other, climbing up to the top of the skyscraper. I have all their backs looking out at the sunset, which to me was the end of uh, the first movie where they're looking over the building, you know, and they're all laughing and it's a happy ending. And I was just like making that moment and, and knowing by issue five, what a big deal this book is. I mean, knowing by issue three, Kevin was like, I think this is going to be huge for 
years and years and like he wanted it to be Watchmen, he wanted it to be Dark Knight, and I really hope it lives on in that way, yeah. at least for Turtle fans. And so knowing that while drawing those pages is probably like the most emotional I'll ever be drawing. Like, sure. <laughs> it yeah. was crazy. And I got to draw classic Casey. He, Casey pops in and I get to do the sweatpants and the long hair. Like I love my Casey design or my and Kevin's Casey design. Sure. But long hair Casey with belly shirt. <laughs> it's so cool. Belly shirt is such a choice yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that I was going to do that. And Splinter's robe changes. I give him the three dots like he had in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Mikey is the only character I put his initial on his belt. It's really small, but it's a nod to that. Oh, you have to show me. I didn't notice. It's a little pin. It's the way I've always drawn him since 2013. Oh, right, right. Of course, of course. I didn't notice it here. Yeah. And I always give Donnie the gap tooth because it's the only show. And a screwdriver. I don't know if I gave him a screwdriver in this, but always the gap tooth. Sure. And when I can, when it makes sense, I give Raph the crack in his shell as a nod to the 2012 show, too, because, like, Ciro shows. It's amazing. Like, so he good. needs to make the, like, I'm on the record, Ciro Neely. Nickelodeon needs to let Ciro Neely make the last Ronin animated movie show whenever it's going to be. <laughs> and then awesome. we'll do the last Yojin Mo together. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you something now that you're talking about your child girls. Yeah. And this is just like a pure art thing. So like you had to widen their heads, right? And yeah. Change, like you've drawn the turtles a certain way for X number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, and you had to widen their heads for this. Do you find yourself drawing them that way now with wider? Yeah. My turtles have completely changed. Interesting. I do wider heads on the... On the off chance I'm remarking or sketching a turtle that has nothing to do with Ronin verse, yeah, I will young it down again. Sure, and, and but it's more like you'd see in issue five. Like those are my normal turtles from now on. I think that's cool for now. That's very cool. But yeah, I learned. And listen, I didn't think I could love your turtles more, but I, I now that you're saying that, I noticed it, it's look it's at a Leo change. in issue three, and it is the Henson scene. Like I feel like I nailed him in a lot of shots, especially the last one where he's charging in Butch Cassie, the Sundance kid, charging into the flames with Casey, and they're yeah. talking about, what do you want to do later? <laughs> what should we get for pizza? Uh, it's just insane. Uh, I just I was so happy with the way I did them, and I hope they become toys so it lives on forever. And Yeah, I just couldn't have been, I don't know, more lucky than to have this whole thing worked out, work out and uh, hope there's more. This is completely out of order, uh, yeah. but for the purposes of my yeah. writing. When did you find out it was going to be Mikey? Yeah, so again, Kevin ruined everything for me. He sure. told me it was right Mikey, start, like, with yeah. the title. Sure, sure, sure. It's the last round, and it's Mikey. Like, yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I had no moment to even speculate. But <laughs> that being said, I don't know if he or even Tom intended that to be such a hype machine, if you don't know who it is. It didn't sound like it was. Uh, it, it, but it did. But it kind of fell into place in a really... Smart way. Like, just a marketing Their, their marketing so was, who is the last Ronin at a certain point, but it wasn't at first. Yeah. And I think that that came from just fans talking about it. Sure. Yeah. Which is something that's so cool about this book coming out the way that it did. It, as much as nobody wanted the delays and, and things like that, it was happening in real time. Yeah. And the story wasn't changing, but we were able to push certain elements that maybe people were asking about or from IDW market certain things that were hot like who is the Ronin like, sure. think it is. And it's this, completely appropriate it's not like yeah. a gimmick though it's completely appropriate yeah. and like you have a franchise it's like the, I mean how many other franchises do all four main characters look pretty much exactly the same like yeah. you know it's what a mean? good it's opportunity like, yeah exactly yeah. It, was, it was it was a well utilized device it really was super smart I did that uh, issue two split decision cover of him kneeling with the bandanas and the weapons oh, that's great <laughs> and it's one of my favorite images and as I was drawing it I was intentionally like had so much confidence and belief in the story I was like I want this to be the an iconic image of the whole mm -hmm. book when it's said and done in 25 years whatever 
And so I, I really cared for that image, but that one ends up getting reposted and like retweeted and regrammed constantly yeah. by those accounts that are like art 24 seven, blah, blah, blah. They don't know anything about the book and they, and they just caption it. What do you think happened here? And it's really cool because that goes out to thousands of people who don't read turtle books. Right. who maybe haven't seen anything since the cartoons and they all have these wildly different responses to that image. They're like, who's this fifth turtle that's killed them all? Or they're like, <laughs> it's gotta be Leo. It's gotta be Raph. Sure. It's gotta be, and they all have a reason for why. I didn't know and it's this. Like, this is cool. Every time I get tagged in one of those, it gets like 3000 likes and it has like hundreds of comments and all these just different insight of sure. what people are thinking or what it made them feel. And like, so making the book throughout that was insane. Yeah. I was watching, especially cause it's like one of my first big, like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm part of it, like such a fanboy about this book. I was watching every goddamn YouTube review oh, sure. for better or worse. And until about issue four, there was not even any worse. Like everyone loved it. And That's I was cool. like, that puts the most like wind under your sails. Like, yeah. like I was, I felt unstoppable. I, I told Courtney, Kevin's wife, I felt like I had superpowers while yeah. I was drawing this book. That's what I need to draw. Okay. No problem. And it would be done in five hours. Every page was five hours. I was like, huh. what's happened? I figured it out. I've cracked the code. Yeah. And it's because I was drawing what I loved. Yeah. And I've got a great studio and I've got great fans and I've got an assistant who's shipping everything that I don't have to ship. Sure. And like everything just fell in place. And I think every person on the book was kind of finding that stride and everyone did their absolute best work. And I hope it's a indication of what that can do for a book long term and short term mm -hmm. when given like IDW started looking at it as a piece of art yeah, and they weren't cracking the whip when maybe they should have every now and then. And I have an email from Bobby where he's like, look, if we get it to print on Monday, it'll still come out on this day. Yada, yada, yada. And I said, Bobby and everyone's on the chain. And I, I had the ability and the freedom on this book after a certain point of don't mess up what you're doing where I was like, Bobby, I've got two pages to do. That means a pay or a day each for each rough. So two days on each rough and then two days for each final. I said, unfortunately I'm going to need till Wednesday. I'm going to just miss it, but that's exactly what I need. Yeah. And I know that's exactly what I need. Like clockwork. And it's exactly what I needed. And Bobby was like, okay. And that's unheard of in mm -hmm. comics. Cool. And so I can definitely say that about them and about Bobby. It's like, it got to the point where they were like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, this is good. And, and that was so cool. And if, more companies would be like that. I bet Spider-Man would comics would be more popular. I bet this would be more popular. That would be more popular because instead of finding a different artist to just fill in the blanks when you're falling behind, like yeah. as long as you do get it done, <laughs> yeah, you can't just sure. do that forever. And anyone listening to this is like, this guy owes me on aggregate. He owes drawing points. <laughs> and so like, what an asshole. But like, do it right. It's only late once. Yeah. Or in the case of Ronan, and you can use this quote because I love saying it. Something can only be late once, or in the case of Ronan, five times. Sure. But it can suck forever. Sure. And I don't think this will suck. Well, I don't I mean, think it does suck, and I don't think it will look at. It. I don't think it will suck. From my perspective, like, getting to do, like, like just getting the interview for this, like, I, I kind of wanted to make the point, like, to Kevin and Tom, like, who cares that it's late, right? Like, We, don't, we forgot about that at this point. Well, yeah, like, like the fans were, like, being, I mean, not, not most of the fans. Yeah. There, there, there are select groups of people who choose to be assholes about these things, or harass people about it, and it's like... Like, as long as it's done right, but it, who cares? Like, Dark Knight was late, Watchmen was late, everything right. that matters to you. Kevin told was me that because I obviously wasn't paying attention those days. Yeah, <laughs> but, I didn't know that either. Was Bobby like, was telling me. Yeah, Watchmen was late as fuck. Uh, sorry. Uh, I don't care. Batman was late, or Dark Knight, rather. It doesn't and matter after the fact. As long as you get the story matter, right, it doesn't matter. 
and those books hold up because they did a good job. Yeah. Like, they thought yeah. about it and were like, no, that needs to be better. Like, there are, there are things that got sent back, like, whether it be colors or lettering that was in a strange spot or, or even, like, a couple of my roughs, like, hey, do it this way. Or, there was one note from Tom where, like, I, I was probably drawing really fast and there was, like, a weird bump on the handle of Raph's eye and it was just because I draw wavy lines sometimes. And he was like, what's that little nubbin? <laughs> and I had to go in and quickly just erase it. And it was worth it. Because we don't want to look back at that one day. Ah, I wish we changed that. Sure. There's a big shot of uh, Karai's face in issue two where she's monologuing to her troops about killing all the mutants and stuff. And you couldn't see it in the black and white art. But as soon as it was colored, there was a big eraser shaving on her chin. And I was like, Louise, you're going to hate me. I was like, but I need you to take that out or send it back to me. I was like, because there's no way I'm looking at that for the rest of my life and like wishing I had taken that, <laughs> you know? And, and so it matters. And those, yeah. those aren't the type of things that held it up. Honestly, if I were to guess it, my knowledge of the entire working of the book, it's because the dates that people heard were unrealistic to begin with. They were dates based on... And there's on, a pandemic. Diamond yeah. almost exploded the whole comics industry. Yeah. So like... During this. Yes! So yeah. like, it's... it's yeah. Hey, uh... This is, this is going to suck for the podcast part of this. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> no, I just meant like that you walked away. Oh, yeah. Was that talking in there? I don't care. Yeah. Just say that again. Yeah, so Diamond, what? Say it doesn't matter. At this point, it doesn't Diamond matter. went down. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's, like it, it's hard to remember all this shit. Yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of things of what happened during the pandemic, Diamond's whole thing is small. But, like, yeah. that nearly sh- Like, they were talking at the time the comics industry is over. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of good reasons why these books take a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, honestly, the dates that were set were the old dates. They were the dates on the Andy Kuhn, uh, Brittany Pizzillo schedule. Right. And IDW never changed it. They just said, like, hey, you think you can catch up to this? Sure. I think everybody said no. (laughs) (laughs) And we all tried anyway. And so then... In a way, though, it makes sense not to just reset the date, because I think, like, when you keep changing the... When you keep resetting the... Oh, whatever that sports analogy is. Oh, I don't know the sports analogy, but the analogy I use is when you're at the airport and they keep delaying your flight instead of canceling. Yes. And you're like, I know this is going to be canceled. Yeah. It's been delayed for the last seven hours in 30-minute increments. Yeah, sure, sure. And so <laughs> this is going to happen. That's yeah. what would drive me crazy yeah. is seeing, because I am in the groups and in the fan pages and stuff, and I have the Bishop Kids Club, and, and I'll see them go, another delay, another delay. And it's like, I could have told you a long time ago that yeah. that date was not going to work and that the next date is not going to work. Yeah. I don't know that I could have told you the date that will work, but that's why it seemed like we just weren't working or something. Like, I don't know what people think, but... Crazy. At, even without all that, even without the pandemic, the general public has no idea how hard comics are. Sure. Like, yeah. a single panel... And it was a, like an unusual shaped page. It, oh, yeah. Kevin was doing, like, pouring as hard into this It's an important book, yeah. So important. Yeah, so, like, so yeah. It just takes time, and the confidence was hope. It, it was hopefully... The silver lining was hoping that people at least had the confidence, like, we're not going to not finish it. Yeah. Like, and we're not going to let it suck. So... Yeah, remember that. Like, there's no, there's no way it wouldn't have been done. Yeah, we're going to do it. No way. And so those people, going back to what you were saying, the the loud mi- minorities... The loud, very small minority. Yeah, online. The very loud, the angry very small, people yeah. online are saying this, that, and the other thing, but it's like, what do you want? Do you want a rush book? Yeah. Would you rather just have it? Yeah. Or then, when it comes in, would you rather it be good? And I don't know what they want. Like, yeah, who knows? I think and they just don't like waiting for things. But now that there's nothing to wait for, yeah. they're upset again. And oh, like, really? Yeah, I, I, you can't. You can't can please people. But they don't even have anything to say. It's just like, yeah, imagine your life that now you have nothing to look forward to in regards to this turtle book. Like, yeah. 
And so, wouldn't you rather, like, we extend it as long as possible? It's like this whole event for two years. Like, obviously, no one would rather that. But it's something to talk about. It's something to be excited about. It's something to look forward to. And with every release, they did not suck. And so, I think it was worth it. (laughs) Uh, Last question, really. And this is, you've kind of said things that worked for this anyway, but are there any sort of anything else you want to say about, like, getting to work on the book and the impact it's had on fans? Hmm. Um, yeah I mean I touched on it a lot but it's for me growing up with Turtles obviously being born in 86 and being from New Hampshire Maine area and not even knowing that the Turtles were as well (laughs) uh, it's pretty cool to be a part of it and um, to be working so closely specifically like with Kevin for so long and knowing Pete and knowing all the Mirage guys and just knowing how special the project in general is because of all that and the history has just been pretty damn amazing. And then to have it come out and people actually like it and like really like it oh, yeah. and like the hardcover selling like 160,000 copies on pre-order, yeah. like, and that's the seventh or maybe 77th time for some guys that they've bought this story because yeah. some people are buying every variant sinking all that money into it so that's really really amazing to me like that it could have that kind of reach and that for me I'm I'm just always looking ahead too and just going like this is such a big deal for me and my career and like I hope that this book is like forever I hope I'm the like my life out those cons and he's like the guy with Grave Deadpool like, I hope I'm at those cons like oh yeah one of the last running artists like and it's a, yeah. it matters even in 40 years yeah like, I hope it will. I hope it's like when Dave Gibbons goes to a show or something, like, people are like, oh, shit, that's the guy who worked on or Drew Watchman. Uh, so that kind of stuff is really exciting to me. And to also, like, have myself, like, grow up alongside these guys who are going to love it alongside me is, is pretty cool to experience it as a fan as well and to, like, bring closure to, to something that Kevin and Pete did. Um, I didn't even get into what I meant to say about my four-scroll-long Facebook post about Kevin and Pete. But Please, yeah. Yeah, they created this. I, I I had this moment after issue two because this kind of harkens into what your actual question was about the fans. Anyway, I had like the step back where it was doing so well, and issue two was the highest selling IDW comic ever. Mm. And I was like, wow, like Kevin and Pete knew one year into making this thing that it had these legs and that it was important and that this story means something. But they waited, and then it like grew up with all of us, and that's why it was so impactful. But like. I came to Turtles because of the toys and the and the cartoons and yep. then of course the Henson movies and I found the comics later which of course were much different in a lot of ways and so now for me to bring like a closure to those comics for those two guys and a handful of the Mirage guys who worked on it with them is insane to me yeah. and it's just so special and to have it be a big deal for the fans as much as it's a big deal for me I just feel like I'm doubly in it. Like I'm in it, but I'm like in it, in it. Like I get to go to these signings with these guys and draw next to them. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. So I'll always like that aspect of it. I've always liked that. Every time I meet a new creator, I'm like, Oh my God, I just had drinks with Lee weeks and he likes me and I know his wife. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so on this, this run and stuff, it's very, very big and, and try and remain humble, but try and, uh, of course, use it as like part of my life for the rest of my life. Like you use the Ronin and do more Ronin stuff, whether it be 
uh, toys or posters or whatever, but I think that the book is going to be around for a long time. Awesome. So, yeah. All right, man. Close a wrap for a podcast. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.